Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Faith here with your podcast, Welcome Toast. Mealtime is when the kids sit down to continue eating. This show is an encore presentation of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. Hope you enjoy this second helping. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. I'm Faith Middleton. Is there a more talented cook and teacher anywhere in the world? My answer is no. Jacques Pepin, former head chef to the president of France, recipient of the French Legion of Honor, author, TV chef. This man has managed, despite being a genius as a chef, to find a way to translate it all for us, for the home cook. His new book is out, and I emailed Jacques immediately to say it is my favorite book he's ever done. It's called A Grandfather's Lessons in the Kitchen with Shori. Now, Shori is Jacques' 13-year-old granddaughter. Maybe you've seen her on his show. This book has such great recipes, and... Jacques' opening essay about what it means to uh, to cook with kids and eat with kids is just phenomenal as a family. Uh, so are the recipes, as you're about to hear. We'd like to welcome, uh, by the way, I'm with Alex Province, Chris Prosperi, Mark Raymond, senior contributors on the show. So we'd like to welcome Jacques Pepin well, back to the you. show and his granddaughter, Shori. Uh, thank thanks for you. being thank with you. us. Thank you. Everybody, thank you, thank you so very much. much. Hey, Shori, I wanted to start with you because there are these notes you write in the book. And one of the questions I think somebody had asked you was, if you had to pick some of your favorite people and put them uh, living or now dead, and you had to put them at a dinner party that you were giving, you know, who would that be? Do you remember what you said? At the time, I was really interested in a lot of different Things and I remember saying Malala Yousafzai, Taylor Swift, Stephen Hawking, Albert Einstein, and I think Barack Obama. Too. You did, you did, and yeah. I thought I want to mm. be at that dinner party. I love. <laughs> I'm working out on the menu. I'm working the menu. <laughs> what are you, Jacques? What are you thinking? You know, a little bit of garam masala for one, and maybe uh, I don't know, but uh, the food which is going to touch our heart. You know, the food that you love to eat. That's how you cook. You cook with uh, passion or with with love, you know. You cannot cook indifferently. I wanted to start with the two of you talking about this thing that you call, I guess it's one half cheese souffle and one half flan. I adore this idea. It's like almost like a cheesecake in a sense, but savory. And with the eggs in it, I mean, I learned that from my mother, that even if you don't separate the eggs, uh, like in a patachou, for example, cream puff dough, then it's still going to go up. So that's, it's a little heavier than a souffle, but it's lighter than a flan, you know, so it's somewhere in between. And it's easy, certainly very easy to do. 
Yeah, when you two did this together, we're talking about cottage cheese, a container of whipped cream cheese, these eggs, salt and pepper, some fresh chives, and a little bit of olive oil. Go, Chris. Yeah, I wanted to learn that one when I was learning souffles. The nightmares oh, I have of learning how to make a classic souffle kept me up for months. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it is one of my favorite things to have a, a cheese souffle, but I thought... On a Tuesday that I could make this was absolutely thrilling to me. And Shori, you were able to do it too. Yeah, it's a really simple recipe yeah. that we did together. And you can do it way ahead. You know, it doesn't really matter. Even the day before, you put it in the refrigerator, ready to go into the oven. Oh, oh really? That's the best. Yeah, that's Isn't the best it? right there. That, there it is. Yeah. That is the, <laughs> the winner. Okay, how about this roast chicken on garlicky salad? Yes. Yeah, this is really delicious, and it's really simple and easy, and it's great for, like, weeknights. So explain what it is, then. So we actually use a roast chicken from the store, and then we make a dressing, and we put it on a bed of lettuce with the dressing. Yeah, but, I mean, we saute some shallot, I believe, some garlic, some olive oil, too. And you cut the chicken with a a shear, and uh, so you arrange that on beautiful salad and sprinkle all that sauce on top, garlic and so forth. So all of a sudden, you buy something and you make it your own, Mm. and that's what happened with that. So it's super easy. Of course, you can roast your own chicken, but it's fine to go to the rotisserie market and buy a chicken too. And I want to thank Jacques and the publisher for allowing us to post that recipe at the website. We love where you can on a weeknight grab something at the supermarket, the rotisserie counter, and then, you know, step it up a little the way Jacques has with a few ingredients. Yeah, love that. And oh, a rotisserie yeah. chicken's the same price yeah. almost as a raw chicken. They, no, they it's crazy. It sometimes it's less expensive. expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And who has the time, especially uh, during the week with all those kids in in all their different activities and things like that. So, so Jacques, about yeah. what Mark Raymond is saying right now, you have a thing where you really feel like families should sit down and eat together despite all the activity right. going on. What? Tell me about that. Well, certainly at my age, at my 30 years old now, I mean, how do you speak with, uh, with a teenage? Uh, it's another world. <laughs> it's another way of communicating. I mean, uh, uh, I am faster with my hand than she is with a knife, but she's much faster with uh, her iPhone or any other type of thing (laughs) with her hands. So, you know, communication is not that easy, but then we find a common ground. I mean, we can cook together and talk, and one discussion on food leads to another discussion. And certainly during the cooking time, but even more so during the time spent around the table. So, you know, that type of occupation is a bit of a kind of glue which uh, hold Mm. the family together, you know. So, yeah, that's important to us. Shori, do you find that you um, get to talk about other things besides food? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My grandfather and I and my mom and I and my dad and I, whenever we cook together, we talk about plenty of things besides the food. I mean, it's there. Sometimes we talk about it, but more often than not, we're talking about something else like life or math or politics, what's going on in the world. Yeah, yes, I mean, you know, when we cook, I say, uh, sure, give me a tablespoon of butter. Okay, how many tablespoons in one stick? 
how many sticks in a pound? <laughs> how many tablespoons in two thirds of a cup of milk? So you know, she get into mathematics uh, faster this, than me. This is sure. This is cooking school without the money, right? <laughs> <laughs> With no better teacher on earth, by the way. For sure. Okay, the book is called A Grandfather's Lessons in the Kitchen with Shori. Uh, Jacques has done this book, and right on the cover, you see Jacques and Shori hugging each other, and the recipes are so. So terrific. And the philosophy, Jacques' philosophy about what we were just saying in here is terrific. Let's do another one. Sausage, potatoes, onions, and mushrooms, and papayote. So in a package. And this always looks so exciting when Mm. it comes to the table. And I always think, oh, it's so hard. So, So tell us about this one. Well, I love this recipe because it's really so simple. You just you put all of the like the sausage and the potatoes and the carrots and whatever you want to add into the um, tin foil into the wrapping, and then you add salt and pepper and oil, and then you wrap it up. You put it in the oven, and after it's done cooking, you take it out and it's ready to be. And then served. you sit down and wait and prepare a big salad. Yes. And open that, and that's a a great meal. I mean. What I wanted to do in those recipes, too, I'm not condescending to children doing, you know, little uh, cute things, whatever. Those are serious mm-hmm. recipes and good, but uh, pick them up so that they would be very easy to do. For example, we have a, an Arctic char. Uh, she loves fish. Well, I sure how to cook it on a non-stick skillet without any fat, and you cook it down on fairly high heat for about five, six minutes, covered. So, you know, by covering it, it creates some steam, which cooks the top of the, the fish. So you never turn the fish, you leave it on the skin. And uh, while mm-hmm. it's cooking, we add a tomato. So I cut a little tomato in pieces and with a hand blender, uh, emulsify it with a tablespoon of oil, salt, pepper. So I have a puree of fresh tomato like this. And sure, uh, I put it into the microwave oven for like uh, 35 seconds so that it's, uh, it's not cold. It's lukewarm and served with the fish. So very simple and it's quite good. Healthy. And beautiful. Yes. Yes. And, and beautiful, exactly. Mm. Yes. So, Shori, I think you and your family live in Rhode Island. Yes, we do. Just yeah. outside of Providence. I love Providence. You're in the land of fish. So you're you're lucky that way if you love fish. And there's a story in the book, as you know, Shori, where Poppy, your grandfather, Pepin, says, you know, he didn't even hardly know what the word uh, antioxidants was. Uh-huh. <laughs> that You said you loved berries because of the antioxidants. And I thought, oh, my goodness. This is Claudine <laughs> yeah. and, and her like husband. And a, she was like three yes. years old. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. Um, so, Shuri, how did you, and Jacques, you might have something to say about this, and Claudine, if you're there, you might also. We hear a lot about how kids, their taste buds are forming, and when they see they don't like something, they're not kidding. They're not being bratty. There's something about their development of their taste buds where they really mean it. They don't like certain foods until maybe later. You seem to like amazing things. How did that happen, do you think? I think the reason I like so many foods is just because there was no choice. There were a couple things that my parents gave me, like, a buy on. For example, I really don't like asparagus, so they don't make me eat asparagus. But with everything else, it's like, this is what we are having for dinner, this is what you're going to eat, and that was that. 
But she doesn't mm. like my head cheese. No, I don't like head cheese. <laughs> I'm with you, sorry. My dad made me head cheese, and I didn't like it either. No. <laughs> you know, Shori, mine was, I'm Scottish, so mine was uh, steak and kidney pie. That was my worst oh, thing. Boy. But, <laughs> so we have that and Papa Yot recipe with the sausage and the peppers and everything in the little container that's so much fun to open at the table. We also said, do you mind if we put this on the site? These are chocolate and nut and fruit treats. So we're uh, talking that's about that's what she like. Yeah, yes. me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we we wish we could have this right now. So bittersweet chocolate, raspberries, strawberries, pistachios, almonds, hazelnuts and a couple of sprigs of mint. Why don't you explain the way you do it? Well, this is also really simple and I am definitely a dessert person, so I love this recipe. You you just take the chocolate, you melt it in the microwave. You have to be careful not to scorch it and then you put it into these little paper cups. And before it hardens, you add raspberries and nuts and fruit or whatever suits your taste. And uh, you put it in the fridge, they cool, and then they're beautiful for, like, holidays and dinner parties and stuff. And these are those little mini paper cups, like, I mean, uh, paper, like cupcake things, yeah. yeah. And do you spray the inside with anything so that it doesn't stick or no? No, we just pour them right in. Yeah. Yeah. And you can put dry fruit, dry apricot, raisins, cranberry, as well as fresh mint. It's fun. Hmm. And how, Shori, do you not scorch the chocolate? What's the secret? Uh, My grandfather always says never put it in the microwave more than 40 seconds at a time or else you're in danger of burning the chocolate. Yeah, so you put it like 20, uh, 30, 40 seconds, and then look at it and put another 15 seconds or so forth. It can scorch. Or you can, of course, melt it in a double boiler, but uh, the microwave makes it easy, right? So this is the start of your book tour. The book is called A Grandfather's Lessons in the Kitchen with Shori. Photograph of the two of them on the cover Beautiful um, photograph, too. And oh, it's, uh, this is you Tom, know, Tom Hopkins. Perfect, oh, he's perfect yes. photograph. He's just yeah. an so amazing gifted. photographer and um, has such heart, and he sees yeah. heart in people. He also does beautiful or, lighting. He's an artist. Mm, but yeah. Can I add something else? Yeah. In addition to this, there is about 70, 75 recipes in it, but 36 of those, if you look, uh, for example, in the chocolate there, you say, if you want to know how to do it, go to dot 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 sur la table and we did 36 uh, video we did oh, 36 wow. video of 10 12 15 minutes tom also was the the producer of those he taped it at That's my house great. oh yeah. really so um i by the time i was done with this book i had used all my little post-its <laughs> and the uh, book is uh, really i will yeah. be <laughs> cooking wow. for about 40 years you two um, so this recipe for these mini sweet pepper treats, really, mm-hmm. I love anchovies. Some people don't, but I do. This sounded so good to me. Now, these peppers, uh, Jacques, these are like the um, Padron peppers from Spain, right? But they're a little sweeter? Yes, it's more like Italian um the Italian long paper, sweet paper. But, I mean, you know, you can use, uh, you can put poblano, depending whether you like it hotter. I mean, you have the principle here. You empty uh, half paper, you clean the inside and fill them up with uh, baby uh, tomato, anchovy filet. You can put other things. Uh, in another book, I had done that with eggs. 
you know, yeah. in those I half paper. Yeah. I put some grated cheese in the bottom yeah. and break an egg on top of it yeah. and cook that. Uh, actually, I cook the paper with like four or five tablespoons of water for, you know, pre-cook the paper a little bit. And then after, fill up the cavity with uh, an egg and some cheese and so yeah. forth and post it. That was a nice way with a lid also, so it cooked the top. One of the things that happened to me is I will often breeze through the appetizer section because I feel like I need to get to the entrees and the desserts for our people. Sometimes I'll stop at the soups. This time, every single appetizer, I thought, oh, I have to make that. I don't think I've ever seen so many pages marked in a book. (laughs) So so these deviled eggs with salmon, caviar. I love salmon, caviar, caviar, and the tang of that, Jacques and Shory, with the richness of the deviled egg is such a good idea. Yeah, that looks good, and it tastes delicious. Oh, yeah, this and is delicious. And it was a, a way of knowing how to use the pastry bag, Yes, which he used also for the meringue at the end mm-hmm. also. But so if fun. you don't have, Shori, a pastry bag, what can you use? Well, you could take, like, a Ziploc bag, and you can fill it up with a mixture and then just, like, cut the corner of it and use that. That's great. There you go. I like that idea. And everybody seems to have their own personal recipe for what goes in with the egg yolks in your deviled eggs. And so um, I'm going with Jacques and Shory's version. So cream cheese, uh, mayonnaise, Dijon mustard, salt and pepper, and some fresh chives, and then the sprinkling of the... Red Salmon caviar. caviar. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I was just thinking? I'm circling back to what Jacques said about having the videos to go with it. You can actually, I can see families cooking together, right? You get the book, you pick a recipe for it. tonight, and then you can actually have the video playing in the background, and you can cook with Jacques and Sori while yeah, you're that's, cooking that's with great. your kids. That's I a great idea. Yes. Or text, like text a link to your spouse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Stop yeah. by the grocery store. And yep. Know yep. Get some children. Right. Bring them home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, oh, by the way, let me just say that I learned last night that this book is just starting. Wow. And already multiple printings already. They've had to go back to press because it's being grabbed up like crazy. And I understand that. Okay. How about those cookies? I was completely dazzled by these cookies made from bread. Yes. Yeah. How, do you, how do you do it, you two? You take just like white bread from the grocery store and put butter and then sugar. And then you like pat them in the sugar and then you cut them up and put them in the oven. And it's really, really good. These and they really get crunchy? Do they get crunchy? Right. Yes, they do. They're delicious. And <laughs> you cut the crusts off, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. So we cut the crust off and cut them into little uh, soldier, you know. So. Little oh. sticks, yeah. So so when you're, you know how you get the munchies oh, at yeah. night. All and the time. You, <laughs> and this is, the, you don't have any cookies in the house because you're trying not yeah. to. This is, if you've got a loaf of bread, you're all set, people. Right. So if you have a loaf of bread, you always have cookies. I like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So, so clever. Shori, how much of the road tour are you going to do? You're in New York right now. Yes. Yeah. I'm not doing all of the events because I can't afford to miss that much school. Yeah. But I'm doing most of the book tour. Well, you're doing Connecticut. You're doing uh, Rhode Boston. Island, of course. And you're going to San Francisco. Wonderful. Yeah. So it's New York and New England. And then in D.C., I think you're yeah. coming to Washington, too. Yes. Yeah, right. 
how fun. She's yeah. an A student, sir, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so she's good in school. And you're taking homework with the, you don't ask me to help. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the culinary math, if you need to know how right. many teaspoons are uh, in a tablespoon. Two sticks of butter. <laughs> hey, hey, Shori, your grandfather there has this special degree in literature. So if you have to read any books, uh, boy, he's the one I'd go to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Love you both. Love your whole family. And um, Thank my, you. My, sure. My best to you, Shori. I've known you since you were a little teeny girl, and I can't believe you're 13, and you have uh, a feel for this. This is really a wonderful thing, yeah. a really wonderful. Faith, uh, we miss you at Bull there. I know, know Jacques. <laughs> okay, I know. Right. I, I have these fractured ribs, so <laughs> not the best time for me to pick up a bull ball. <laughs> um, okay, I will see you soon. Okay, okay love to you, you all. Bye, Jacques. Thank we're gonna, you. Thank gonna, you all. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 You're welcome. Right. We're going to keep talking about your book as happy the show cooking. continues. Okay. Yes, you have me <laughs> cooking, too. Bye-bye. A Grandfather's Lessons in the Kitchen with Shori by Jacques Pepin, photographs by Tom Hopkins. Just uh, really terrific. I, it's my favorite book he's done. He's so real. Yeah, well, yeah. they're both. Listen real. to them. So Just special real. people. Yeah. Really are. So we're going to talk about we've got a wine discovery for you. And when I say it's affordable, it's ridiculous. This is all handcrafted wine, the real thing, for about $10 a bottle. So this is a red. And we've got amazing kitchen tips for you and maybe a a little recipe with some creamy wild mushrooms Ooh. as a pasta sauce yeah. uh, that you make, you know, in just minutes. Mm. So we're going to get to all of that. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make, I really do, a charitable contribution to feed the hungry among us. We're online now at foodschmooze.org and we'll be right back. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Beans. I'll be ready. I'm Faith Middleton with the gang, and we've been talking with Jacques Pepin and his granddaughter, Shori. That's what happened in the previous segment. Don't forget, you can get a podcast here on the show, meaning a copy of it, directly in your inbox on whatever device you want. You just sign up for it once at foodschmooze.org. And you could go back and listen to it anytime you want. You can listen whether you're exercising, walking, at work. Oh, no. That would be terrible. Um, you know, whatever it is, you know, at home, while you're cooking, while you're shopping, that's how you do it. Foodschmooze.org. It's how most people listen right now. I thought it would be kind of fun to continue with some of the recipes in Jacques Pepin's book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, please. He's yeah. off now to the next interview. They were in a studio in New York for this. And we thank 
Yale University's media studio, the broadcast studio, which is this beautiful place. We thank them so much for allowing us to be their guests for this particular interview. But I wanted to do our wine. And then we've got these kitchen tips I can't wait to tell you about. I'm with Alex Province, who is a wine broker. We have Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant, co-owner in Simsbury, Connecticut, a wine broker, Mark Raymond. These are all the senior contributors. And we have senior producer, Robin Doyan Aiken with us. Hey, Robin. Hello. Uh, and then, before we get to more recipes, including how to do sushi salmon cubes from your salmon filet. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. We'll tell you how in just a minute. This is from Jacques' book. Okay, I really like this wine, and I know exactly what I want to have go with it. This is from Chile. It's Santa Carolina Carmenere. Carmenere is a grape that, um, you know, we don't talk about a lot, but it is one of the original six uh, varietals from Bordeaux, generally as a blending grape back in the day. The lost stepchild. Exactly. I just love the fruitiness of this wine. The the fruit forwardness of all the red berries and it's extracted. It's yeah, rich. There's a little grip to it's it dark. in there, so yeah. it's, there's a little intensity to it as well, almost like a little white pepper. Yeah. Mm. I get yeah. My mind immediately when I'm drinking, I put my nose in the glass, I smell it, I taste it, and then I think, what am I having with this? <laughs> well, Lamb. what are you? So, so Lamb. this is a yeah. a kind of rich red, but not bang you over the head rich. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would be happy to have a glass of it just, just sitting itself. around talking. Yeah. Absolutely, chill on it as yeah. we yeah. are That's now. Autumn, I mean, autumn. so yeah. this is around ten dollars a bottle. Yeah, this Santa Carolina was Winery of the Year a couple years ago. Correct. Again, we like this handcrafted, meaning hand-harvested, hand-grown. Hand-made. They're not... Not putting anything funky in here. This is all... This is wholesome wholesome wine. wine. Mm. Thinking a Sunday beef burgundy or beef bourguignon. You can't beat it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crusty French bread. So if you go to our website, we, of course, have a shot of the label. Call ahead to your wine store so you don't make a wasted trip. They can't stock everything. And we tell you what to say to them to make sure that they can look it up in the book. And they should have it to you within 24 hours. Right, Mark? Absolutely. Let me ask you one more wine question before we go back to Jacques' book and all of our kitchen tips. There is a thing that we do in wine tastings, all of us. Like during the week, I'm tasting a lot of different wines. You know, I'm having sips, sips, and then there's a, you know, I hate to sound, sounds kind of gross, but there's a spitting bucket. Right. So we're not sitting there drinking everything. You're spitting in the bucket because you're trying. We're trying a bunch of them. So you can't sit there and drink it all. So you're swirling it in your mouth. You're smelling it in the glass. If it's a red, you're swirling it in the glass a little bit. One of the things that we do as wine tasters is to take a sip, and you're going to hear this sound. I'm going to do this because I have this Santa Carolina Carmenere in my glass. And it, it is a way of, it's as if you were kind of drinking through a straw. You'll hear me do it where I'm running, it sort of like makes the wine bubble. I'm pulling in oxygen across the wine in my mouth. So it goes like this. Now, it's really a geeky thing to do. 
<laughs> so I do it quietly. I don't let people know. But if somebody's got a nice wine or a wholesome wine like this, I don't care what the price is. If it's a real wine, I will do that because what does the oxygen do? The two of you, Mark and Alex, it, it really makes it Well, it pop. aerates the wine, and it, I mean, it just kind of makes it explode over your palate. You really get to see what's really in that liquid as it spreads out around the top of the roof of your mouth, down all around the sides. Because that's what you're really doing. You're trying to get the wine into your nose in a way because you, you smell a wine more than you taste it. So when, the worst thing you can do if you're tasting a wine is just taking this like little tiny little sip and just putting it on the front of your mouth. That's why you see wine geeks, you know, they're almost chewing the wine. They fill their mouth up with it. They, they almost they, slurp it. Yeah, they slurp it. And then they chew it around. And, you're, and you have this hole in the top of your palate that connects to your nose that retronasal passage, and then those aromas, the esters, that's all going into your nose, and now you're tasting and smelling, and all, your brain puts it all together and says, this is a good wine. I've seen people where they've actually left their mouth open while they're sniffing the wine, uh-huh. and you almost get a flavor profile Ooh. into your mouth as well Ooh, while I have not heard it. that before. Yeah. It's like a more uh-huh. eel. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a wine trick I'm going to steal. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with him? It's kind of the shark way of tasting wine. Can I I take this on the other end? I've been taking this home and I add a little soda and an ice cube to it. Yeah. Spritzer. A spritzer. And at the end of the night where I don't want a big, you know, bold wine, I just want something to just end the day kind of thing. And I sit outside because it's still warm enough. Little club soda. Little club soda and just one cube and I swirl it around. Mm. And I don't Mm -hmm. know. A wine at $10, I feel like that's the perfect price, and it's a wine that can handle it, right, because it's got big, bold flavors. A little water doesn't water it mm. away, right? You still for get sure, the flavors. For sure, for sure. So while you're saying that, this sort of the art of tasting mm. wine, not to be geeky, but to appreciate it to its fullest, there are some people who feel that after the first several sips – you know, maybe half of a glass of wine, you're not tasting it more than you were during those first sips. Do you all agree with that? It's like perfume. If you mm. smell, you, you get fatigue. You know, your body says, okay, I got it. I know what it tastes like. And then it goes on to something else. It's the same thing with wine. After, after a while, you're, you sort of get I don't know if it would be like four or five sips, but clearly after you've been going at it for a while, you know, you could definitely... You still enjoy it. Though. Yeah. You're, you're, Still you keep could drinking totally it. get that's why in multi-course too. meals we do sorbet in between, right? Yeah, it sort of refresh out the palate, refresh the palate, and then it's like You'll tasting see, it the first time again. You know, professional tasters at these big tastings will switch from red to white and mix in some like sparkling oh, wine, to, like to a cava that. or champagne mm-hmm. or prosecco or something. So if you're tasting a whole bunch of reds, throw in a white wine, and then it resets your palate, and then you can go back to tasting. If you're ever at a charity event, for example, hmm. you know, where you have multiple things going on, right? Here would be my ideal food. And I put this up on the site because this is something that I adore. We're in the time now of mushrooms. Ooh. And for for people who are lucky, this is lots of restaurant people mm-hmm. or you've got a good neighbor, maybe it's you yourself, where you know what you're doing. You know how to forage for mushrooms. But also farmers markets selling them, they know what they're doing. Right. And so now you've got these combinations of mushrooms. So you buy a few of each. I would adore this with a creamy mushroom sauce on pasta. Oh, yeah. I would be in heaven. Mm. So 
I went in my file, and here's one that I do that I really love. You don't even have to write this down, people. <laughs> it's <laughs> so simple. This is just so easy, right? Yes. I sent it to all yeah. of you last night. I was night. looking at this last night. You and tortured I'm like, us. Oh, I'm making mean. this this weekend. So, you, so get a, you get a bunch of mushrooms, and you just chop them up. Mushrooms love butter. Now, some people can't have butter, so they, they're fine with olive oil. Oh, absolutely. But it's they love butter. So I put butter in the pan. I get it, you know, quite melted, maybe even just a little tan. Oh. But in any case, and then I throw these mushrooms into the pan, and I stir them up, and I let them get crispy in that butter. Oh. And the second they get you crispy, I get half and half mm. and glug glug, a couple glugs in there. Mm. You know, stir it a little bit, and now we've got this creamy mushroom thing going on. Now, meanwhile, I've got some pasta over here that's been boiling. Or a loaf of bread. Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, but okay, the pasta's over here, (laughs) and it's gone. I like your thought. So now you've drained the pasta. That's all stirred up. Now I'm going to grate into that pan. Fresh Parmigiano Reggiano. Never great, enough. Great, 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 Just great, great. A, a little ton of it maybe? into the oh, pan. Sure. And then stir it a little bit more. Gets all in there coated. Mm. Now I take my drained pasta and I put it in the skillet with the sauce. Soak it right up. And I do a little <laughs> stir again oh. so it's all coated and then serve it. Last thing I do, a little more grated cheese. Right over the top. Maybe a little. Enough. If you've got some diced chives around, throw them on. I have a sage sure. planned outside. Oh, sage would be perfect yes. in there, yeah. Roll it up, slice it. Oh, yeah. Now, honestly, yeah. butter in the pan with the mushrooms, they get crispy. You add a little bit of cream. You see what I'm saying? How easy this is? On a Thursday night, a little bit of have. cheese, grated cheese. You take the pasta, you you throw it in there, mm-hmm. stir it up a little, a little bit more cheese, put it on the plate. If you want some chives mm. and you have them, good for you. Have this wine, Santa Carolina, $10 a bottle, and this pasta. Oh, yeah. And whatever else you might want. You know what I'm using this with? Potato gnocchis this Ooh, weekend. That's, that's good. what I'm doing. I'm putting it over potato yeah, same, gnocchi. S- same and sauce. Can I tell you, this oh. would be fabulous on polenta. Oh, oh yeah. You know, oh. you keep a few frozen ravioli, you know, around. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Some of them are good. Cheese ravioli, yeah. perfect. You know, I'd yeah. put that over chicken. Chicken and mushroom. No. Just oh. sauce it right yeah. over the chicken. Oh. That would be fantastic. <laughs> oh. like, I'm hungry like again. Like Meg Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. I'll have what she's having. Okay, here we go. Coming back to some of the recipes in a grandfather's lesson in the kitchen with Shori, these sushi salmon cubes that Mm. he taught her to do and they do together. So you go to a fish market for this Mm -hmm. because you want good quality because you're not cooking it. So you cut this salmon filet into quarter-inch cubes, and you end up with about 30 cubes. You toss them with the salt and pepper and sugar in a bowl, and then you you put it in the refrigerator for at least an hour. But you can do it for two days. You can keep it in there for two days. Wow. And then when it's ready, you just put the salmon on a platter. You coat the sides with herbs and sesame seeds. And then you put maybe a little drizzle of uh, sesame oil on top or peanut oil, and then put a toothpick in each one. How about that when people come over to your house? (laughs) That is perfect. Is that great? Does anybody, Robin, do you cook your bacon in the microwave when you're, because you've got the kids? You got no, Steve, I, I or do you do it in the oven? Chris, I, I do it I in the oven. I do it in the microwave when I'm at home. 
Oh, totally, okay. because it's you, you have to wrap it in a paper towel. Yeah, and then you don't have to like clean the mess up and don't turn so, the oven on. So here's, you don't get the bacon fat. Though. I never, I never do it in a microwave. Why? Because I really feel that there's something about the texture and the richness of the bacon yeah. that is both crispy just enough and yet pliable. I mean, I have this yeah, thing about it. what if you're in a it. rush? <laughs> but I'm, I'm now a, I'm a convert <laughs> because Jacques and Shory, Jacques Pepin, says that his wife, Gloria, who's a pal of mine, she taught him how to cook bacon in the microwave. Mm-hmm. So he cooks his bacon for four minutes at full power. And if it's not enough, then he starts doing these 30-second blasts. Is that how you do it, Chris? totally. Here's how it goes. He puts on a plate some paper towels Mm -hmm. and then puts the bacon slices on top. The slices can touch, but he doesn't want them to overlap. Mm -hmm. Then you just put a piece of paper towel resting on the top because it splatters. You put it in the microwave. You cook it at full power for three minutes. Remember he said he likes it for four? He stops at three and then starts checking. So he, then he goes in 30-second bursts until it's exactly the way he likes it. He lets it cool. And then there you go. You can sprinkle those on anything, on mm-hmm. salad, on cereal. And you don't have to clean the cereal. my For some reason, I have yet to figure out how to do it. Even if I cover it, as soon as you take the lid off, the spurts are waiting in there. Even the bacon tried, smell? Yeah, or no, the, the fat? Bacon, no, the little specks of the fat. The things that hit you and, and burn gets, you. And it gets like everywhere. It gets up on the clock. It's on the wall. <laughs> you have such great skin. Huh? It's the bacon. That, it's the bacon fat. You know, we, we're going to take a break coming up, and then we're going got these great kitchen tips, but remember that tip that Guy gave us where he bought the floor tiles yes. and put them on all other burners oh, right. except the one he's using? Yeah. The grease spatters yep. on those, and then he pops them in the dishwasher. Yeah, but you still have to it's brilliant. brilliant. I love it, but you still have to put them in the dishwasher. I always feel like when <laughs> well, you cook. Well, how long does that take? If you it's cook bacon dishwasher. in the microwave. Four minutes in the microwave is much faster. You attempt to eat okay. the paper towels afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And oh, all the bacon. You no. want to wring them out. Ring you want to wring them out. Put a sandwich in the So listen, I want to quickly, in this after this next break, before we go to our tips, I want to talk about what they call salmon for grandma. This is um, Jacques' wife, Gloria Pepin, mm. Shory's grandmother. This is just a wonderful salmon that's in this book, A Grandfather's Lesson in the Kitchen with Shory. A really absolutely such delicious salmon. So we're going to take a break right now, and uh, it'll be fast, and then we're right back with the Food Schmooze Party. So stay at our table. Faith Middleton, and we love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. This is the Food Schmooze Party. I'm with my beloved buddies, Alex Province, Robin Doyen Aiken, Chris Prosperi, and Mark Raymond. I almost had you two married for a second. I was going to say Chris Raymond <laughs> we are. and oh. Mark Prosperi Raymond. Yeah. We, sh- we, we, we exchanged last names. If you it's a bromance. Up, they've broken it's a bromance. up. It's a bromance. It's a definite yeah. bromance. Is there a hyphen? It's right. a hyphen. It's a hyphen. Yes. Before, we, before, we get to, <laughs> before we get to our kitchen tips, Salmon for Grandma in uh, Jacques Pepin's book, A Grandfather's Lessons, 
So Gloria puts a marinade on her salmon, which is a tablespoon of maple syrup, dark soy sauce, ketchup, hot chili sauce, or, you know, like a sriracha, Mm, um, rice vinegar, and she's got some Vidalia onions that she, Mm. she sprinkles on there. And then you marinate the fish in this. Then into a skillet it goes, and she kind of steams it in the skillet. Mm. Absolutely delicious flavors. So many more recipes I wish we could get to. But I'm excited because these kitchen tips, you know what we do with these. I am in a kitchen and pretty much testing recipes all week, and we think that's our job is to tell you what's good. So, Mark, you you got something there? Oh, yeah. So, one of my... This is Food Network magazine. This is a Food Network magazine article, and one of my biggest pet peeves in my pantry is the brown sugar always gets hard. Like and a rock. Like a rock. And then I end up taking it to like a cheese grater. Chis- or I'm trying to chisel it. <laughs> and it just drives me nuts. So uh, their tip here is keep a couple of marshmallows in the bag with the brown sugar. And it keeps moisture in there and it keeps them from drying mm. out. And you could eat the marshmallows. So, so here's yeah. the thing. Now, like well, them. you'll have to replace them after you so eat them, though. What do you do if the marshmallows get hard eventually because all the moisture is taken out of them? Yes, How do we? What can we put in there now a little brown to sugar. reinvigorate? Oh, the marshmallows. The marshmallows? <laughs> <laughs> it's a never-ending <laughs> It goes on forever. Do you lick them? I don't okay. know. Maybe not. That wouldn't be good. <laughs> okay. So um, this is what I wish someone would invent. This is not exactly a – well, it's a tip because I'm requesting that someone invent this. I have chai tea every single morning. And you know how at the end of a tea bag, because I use tea bags, mm-hmm. uh, there's that little paper thing attached to the string. Yep, right. And I don't just rest the tea bag in my tea. I want to get every drop of the tea out. You and wring it so out. I wrap the strap around the ah, spoon, sure. and then I press with this, this oh, little yeah. piece of paper. Oh, yeah. I burn my finger every morning. And I think, <laughs> I look at I, made I, of silicone. I mean, I look at this thing. <laughs> this is small. This is so small. Why can't they make this thicker or of a Cardboard food stock. Safe, you know, <laughs> yes. Lower and asbestos. a little larger. What were you saying? It's a little, little asbestos. <laughs> no. A little kryptonite. <laughs> okay, so. I'm going to anyway. not do that. I'm going to invent the uh, tea press. It's like a little clamp that you can just squeeze like, you know, the lemon juicers. Do you know <laughs> that people sell tea bag presses? No, they don't. You actually I was just making that one. up. I mean, it's so ridiculous. You have a tea thumb. You I know, just, it's like a little thing you I want the thumb. company to do something. No, yeah, okay. that's what we'll, I like. Chris, little, Chris, what do you got? All right, so okay. this one's a good one. Kitchen if, tips. If, Here like me, you never take the butter out in time. So what I'm Uh saying is the butters, you keep your butter in the refrigerator and you need some butter and you want to spread it on that awesome bread. Yeah. And you you go to it and it's hard as a rock. Rips the bread. Yeah, and it's just hard as a rock. So this is a great tip. It's a Food Network magazine one as well where you just take a vegetable peeler and you just peel thin shards of it off, and then you just put that on your bread. And I can already see it's those so little... It's so thin, it melts. Yeah, I can already see mm. those little things melting mm. on my toasted bread. Mm-hmm. And you probably Clever. use less butter, too. And you use less yeah, butter, less too. Butter. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a, a great tip. A ribbon of butter. I like that. A yes. ribbon of butter. A ribbon yeah. of butter. Yeah. Yeah. How about, it looks fancy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it yeah. does, Robin. And then you, how about you do those little peels of the, yeah. the butter on, say, green beans before yeah. you're sending yeah. it out to oh, the table for Thanksgiving. And the curls just melt right in. Melt in right in That's front so of your lavish. eyes. I yeah. like that. Okay. So this was sent in from a reader at Food Network, and the person said she gets 
you know, her favorite bacon, and then gets an empty ice cube tray, the one that has the insert in it, and she puts the bacon slices stretched out into that tray. They then become uh, frozen. And then she takes those frozen strips and puts them in a zip top bag back into the freezer again. So they're, you know, they're not absorbing any odors or anything. They're in the freezer and a thing. That way, she can take out as many pieces as she wants for a particular recipe and defrost them and then cooks them in the microwave. She's she's really packaged. You know how we I break up my chicken pieces, yeah. I break up my pork chops right. so that I can just pull out one rather right, than right. defrost the whole thing. Yeah. So I, I think that was a good one. That's Alex, clever. what do you have? Sure. You know when you're cooking like beef burgundy or chili and you taste it and it doesn't have the depth of flavor and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to put in it to right. sort of make it deeper? So here's a tip from Food Network. Add a shot or two of espresso to chili. Wow. Or beef burgundy or whatever, Mm -hmm. any of those brown, rich, maybe bolognese. Yeah. 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 Espresso bolognese. Espresso bolognese. How about that? That sounds delicious. That's a a genius invention, Mr. Province. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, thank Food Network. Okay. Well, pick me up there. No, they didn't say that. No one said bolognese. Okay. (laughs) Um, So uh, before we go to Robin, you know how you've got a toaster? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, guess I, I got one. I don't have I any room one. on my uh-huh. testing kitchen uh, uh-huh. counter. Um, but, you know, when I go to my family, there's the toaster, and we're cutting mm-hmm. bread off a giant loaf. So someone wrote in to Cook's Illustrated and said they made a little piece of cardboard exactly the size of the opening in the toaster so that when they cut the bread, they just pop the little piece of cardboard down on top of the slice and then cut the end off. It's the exact size that Love it's that. supposed to be going into How the toaster. How many times have I cut bread? I know. And you go up to the toaster and you're like <laughs> chiseling it good? away and cramming I it in there. Oh. And then all of a sudden the fire alarm <laughs> or smoke alarm goes off. Right. <laughs> you know the old-fashioned one when the bread goes in the top? Yeah, yeah. I've learned that if you, you know, they're too big, yeah. when they pop, you yeah. know, they, they, they get stay, stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, the, and then again and the then smoke alarm. Fork, which then the smoke to, alarm goes off. You have to unplug it before you put your steel thing in there. All right. A senior producer, Robin. Okay. What what do you have? I have a tip for bakers. They're going to love this one. Um, When you open up your oven and you go to rotate your cake pan, don't use a pot holder because what you will end up doing is making a little dent in the cake. Your pot holder always touches the side of the cake. And gets dirty, your pot holder. Yeah, don't do that. Don't use a pot holder. Use a metal spatula or a pizza wheel to kind of shimmy your cake pan around and rotate it. So um, you mean under the pan? Yes, under the cake pan and rotate. rotate You can just spin it. Almost like a pizza peel type of effect. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's why you're not touching your cake with the pot holder. I like it. Yeah. Good tips. Does anybody here have this problem where the lemons and limes uh, turn into science projects? I am a citrus (laughs) nut, so I use lemons and limes on everything, in everything, in cocktails. Constantly brightening things with lemon, mm-hmm. and but still, so I buy so many of them that they can start to get a little funky. Mm-hmm. So here's someone who wrote into Food Network saying, uh, one of the readers, she does the same thing: limes, lemons, oranges. What she does when she gets home is that she quarters all of them, 
and then if she needs zest or juice, you put some in the freezer in a Ziploc bag, the quarters. Oh. And then if she needs to take out one or several quarters for the zest the and the juice, there. the rest is being preserved in the freezer. That's a great idea. I don't know if it freezing. affects the flavor. No, it wouldn't. That's a great idea. Wow. I've never thought of that. Because mm. mine end up drying out, and then they end up looking like green raisins. Well, we're in that uh, fig season, right, where mm. we're getting figs. And they bruise because they put them in those, you know, those square pint containers. Mm-hmm. The little box. Yeah. So how about – this is from Cook's Illustrated. You put them into an empty egg carton. So it has the perfect amount of space for each of the figs to fit into the – isn't that good? Yeah, that's so clever. And then you put them in the fridge. And you I can, love that too. They store them and they're safe. The and figs are yeah. happy. Safe little figs. Yeah. <laughs> happy little figs. There we go. So I want to come <laughs> back to Chris who said about the lemon juice. Yeah. That you do a lot of lemon juice squeezing and mm-hmm. so do I. I'm putting it on mm-hmm. everything. I've got that wooden dowel thing. That, yeah. That's how yeah. I – that's what I love to use reamer. to get mm-hmm. them. The, the reamer. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but someone wrote into Cooks Illustrated and said she has, through the years, she uses lemon for a lot of things, Mm -hmm. determined that she gets much more juice if she slices off both ends of the lemon. And then when she, she does one of those devices that you squeeze together, you know how the lemon half goes. She said, I get so much more juice that way. Because the juice is coming out not only from the mm-hmm. top being pressed, but mm. the sides are exploding juice too. It's mm. a good idea. Yeah. So, Chris, all right, I got one more here. Yep. And this I like. This one is a really cool one too. This one has to do with a melon baller. And if you're like me, you have one in your drawer that you hardly ever use. And this uh, is from Food Network magazine as well. And the person who wrote in said they use it for making the perfect size meatballs for the wedding soup, right? If you've oh. ever... Or for I've, hors d'oeuvres, you know, the yeah. little meatballs mm-hmm. people put out? Yeah. And you just scoop... And, and it's funny because I've had to make those for big parties, you know, making a thousand Are you doing by hand? And you, we, yeah. And I was like... And, and at work, I have a drawer full of melon ballers. So why I don't use that, I have no idea. But from now, from now on, on you're that is going to be my... Yeah, because okay. you can do them so much faster. The way the world works, someone's going to say... Say, this is a meatball baller. <laughs> yes, and it's going to be. You can buy one you, and put it in forty dollars. We should do. <laughs> put it in the drawer right next to your melon baller. It. <laughs> it's in butter, butter, and if you buy it now, well, yeah, yeah. we'll include we'll, the mini we'll include yeah. four, meatball baller. We'll include four more of them. <laughs> Okay. And keep them right this next could, to your This is the key to our fortune. Like okay. Um, don't forget, on the site, we have recipes from Jacques Pepin's new cookbook called A Grandfather's Lessons in the Kitchen with Shori, his 13-year-old granddaughter, who was our guest on the show, with him. It's terrific, this book, for young people and grown-ups to cook together and delicious stuff. You know Jacques. And want to say thanks to my buddies. I love you all, and thank you to uh, the Yale Broadcast Center for hosting us this time. Never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Everybody eats when they come to Hey, don't want the party to end? Well, neither do we. Talk with us anytime online at foodschmooze.org.